Good morning, church. Good to see everyone today. Uh, Let's start our service with prayer as usual. Uh, Father God, we ask you now to be part of this service. Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be among us as we read your word and study what it means. Lord, also help us to apply it as we leave this place. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, first of all, uh, if you are serving in the armed services or you are a veteran, would you please uh, stand for us right now? Veterans Day was last week, and, and uh, a- as a church who worships the Lord, uh, we appreciate your service so much for allowing us to be uh, in a country that is free to worship uh, the Lord without being persecuted on a large level. Um, so thank you so much for your service. Our hats are off to you, and uh, we thank you so much. Um, Also, I have one quick announcement. Uh, Last Friday was our Men on Fire um, gathering, and we did a long-range rifle shoot, and um, it is customary that I announce the winner of the competition, and that is Steve Prasco. Um, You... uh, He's not even here to hear me praise him. Okay, well, tell your husband that he did a good job. Um, 300 yards, and he scored the most points. After dark and sub-freezing temperatures, we were shivering, and um, he uh, shot the target better than any one of us. And um, I I am ashamed to say that I I didn't do so well. I even uh, made an amateur mistake and um, got too close to the scope and obviously split my... uh, Yeah, it's... I've shot for years and years and have never gotten bit by the scope, but for some reason, um, I got too excited. Um, Hey, we have been going through the book of Colossians. Today, we're ready for chapter 3, verses um, verses 12 through 17. So, um, we're going verse by verse through the letter that Paul has wrote to the church, and we are applying it to us as the church. So, last week in the scripture, we uh, focused on putting to death the sinful earthly things that lurk within us. And here's the list. This is the bad list that we studied. All these things on here, things that threaten to control our lives, things that threaten to ruin our lives. We briefly talked about the other side of this as well. Because Paul gives us these things and says, stay away from them. Put them to death. Get rid of them. And he says, you can throw all of that away and put it behind you because you have new life. And then Paul dives into the new life that we are to live in Christ. And that is what we're going to talk about today. The life that God has called us to. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, you have been raised to new life with Christ. New life. And might I add that we have been raised to it. We couldn't have this new life if Jesus hadn't raised himself, if God hadn't raised his son from death, from the grave, and then allowed us to be raised from our old life to the new life. Now, let's dive into this new life that we have been raised to. Uh, Verse 12 of chapter 3. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So here's the other side. Here's the good list. If that list that we just looked at a little bit ago was the bad list, which of course it was. It was a list, list that destroys our lives. Here is the list that belongs to the new life side. The new life of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So this is what new life should look like. This is what the new life should be made of. You notice how all of these words uh, here that we see in yellow are geared inwardly towards you. But yet they are geared outwardly towards others. Do you know what I mean? It's a change that starts inside of us individually. It starts inside. And then it impacts others around us on the outside. An internal change that has an outward effect on others. Uh, For example, um, when you go to purchase something at uh, the grocery store and you come up to the clerk who is not in a very good mood, she's not had a very good day it doesn't look like, you can tell on her face that she doesn't want to be there. Now inside of you, you might think, well, I I don't want to be kind to this person. She's being rude to me. She's not even looking at me. So I don't really want to give her kindness or gentleness or patience. But yet, the Scripture says, on the inward, we need to change. And we smile at them. And we uh, show kindness and patience. And often, not always, often we see that reciprocated. We see that person softened a little bit. And their day might be lightened up because an inward change in us to be one of these things will cause an outward impact on the person that we are working with or talking to. So, we have been raised to new life with Christ. God chose you to live a new life. And by the way, God chose each and every one of us, if we put our faith in Him, then we are God's chosen. And if God chooses you to live a new life, then He does it so that, number one, it should affect how you treat others. God chose you to live a new life so it should affect how you treat others. Verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3 says, Make allowances. Make allowance. Now, when I think of allowance, I think of when I was small, uh, my mom and dad, they would give me a few dollars each week, and I would save it up to buy BBs for my BB gun. Um, you know, we get allowances when we're young. If, if we do our chores, um, then uh, we get that that we can use for ourselves. We are given allowances. But this allowance that is spoke of here that Paul uses is not really the same. See, it doesn't say give. It doesn't say give. But it says make. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Not give, but make. For each other's faults. A little bit later in the text that we're not dealing with today, but we will be um, next week, it talks about the Christian uh, household. 
you know, how we work with each other, uh, husband and wife and, and children. And I think this specifically or uh, foremost applies to our families to make allowances. Now, I should make, I should make an allowance understanding that my uh, wife is not perfect. I mean, she's a whole lot closer than I am, but still... She's going to make a mistake once or twice a year. And <laughs> instead of coming down on her hard, like I feel like doing, I should make an allowance of patience, gentleness, and mercy. Allowance. I should allow this tender-hearted mercy to work in our relationship. And the Lord knows that He works that through her for me. And I receive that mercy. And make allowances. So, forgive. There's another thing that it says in this verse. Paul says, oh, you must forgive others. Remember when Peter... He came to Jesus one time, and he says, uh, he, he says the question that we would all be asking Jesus, hey, how many times should I forgive my brother? How many times, Jesus? And he probably exaggerates the number that he suggests. And he says, Jesus, maybe seven times? I mean, probably even you and I are thinking, boy, how many times should I forgive uh, my husband? if he does something stupid, leaves the toilet seat open. How many times should I forgive him? We're thinking, we're thinking three, but we say seven because, well, it's, Peter says seven. It's a godly number, and um, we want to make it ourselves look better. And so Peter's like, I'll pad the number. I think it's probably three, maybe four, but I'll pad it and say seven so Jesus doesn't rebuke me. He says, Peter says, Jesus said I forgive them seven times. Here's what Jesus says. No, not seven times but 70 times 7. 70 times 7. And then Jesus tells a story. The story Jesus tells about a king. He's that king um, had loaned his servants some money, and it's time to call in his debts, his debtors. And he calls in everyone who he loaned money. He says, it's time to pay up. It's time for you to pay off your debts. And I, I need it now. Well, one fella who had a, a big debt, millions of dollars, it says, came to the king and he said, he said, I cannot pay. I cannot pay you back right now. I don't have the money. Please have mercy on me. Give me an extension on this loan. Allow me some time and I'll pay it off in time. The story Jesus is telling, he says, the king had mercy on him. The king had mercy. Not only did he give him an extension on his loan, but he forgave all that man owed him. Now, I'm sure the man was, was excited, as happy about it, uh, but here's how the man who was forgiven handled the situation. He went back home, and he found one of his fellow servants that owed him money. This time is only a thousand dollars or a few thousand dollars compared to the millions that he was just forgiven of. And he finds that man and he says, Hey, you need to pay me back. It's time. 
Pay me everything you have right now. Well, his fellow servant says, I, I can't do that. I can't do it. And he says, well, then you're going to jail. And he calls the authorities and sends that, that servant to jail. Mm. Man, that's, that's a tough story. The king found out. The king found, word got out. And the king called his servant to him and he said, listen, I heard how you dealt with your fellow servant. What are you doing, man? Basically, you know, I forgave you all that money and you repay your friend by not forgiving him after I've just forgiven you of millions? Jesus says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Folks, here's the reason we need to forgive. Forgiveness is a big deal. And here's the reason that we need to forgive. Because you have been forgiven. In this story, it was millions of dollars versus a few thousand dollars. There's a big contrast there. There's a big money difference. But it ain't nothing compared to the contrast between Jesus forgiving all of our sins when we ask Him. Every single one of them He forgives. And compare that to the one thing that you could forgive that your brother or your family member or your friend does against you. There's no comparison. Paul calls us to forgive. God's Word says that we need to make allowances for each other. We need to forgive each other. And he also says that we need to love each other. Verse 14 of chapter 3, Love above all. Above all, clothe yourselves with this love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. Paul talks a lot about love. He says, uh, what he says here, Jesus echoes, you know, actually, Jesus wrote it first, Paul echoes what Jesus says. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 through 31, Jesus says, Hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. strength. And he says that the second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. Paul says, above all love. Jesus says, above all love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. We've all heard this verse before. Paul says it again. Three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest. Do you get the picture that's being painted here? Love is important. It's a big deal. Oh, it's hard to forgive. It is sometimes. It's really hard to forgive. It's hard to make allowances, especially when someone is notorious for doing wrong to you, for treating you poorly. Sometimes when you're trying 
to make allowance and forgive others, trying to be kind and gentle, you feel like you're going uphill. Like it's so hard. It's just that each step gets harder than the next when you deal with this person that you're trying to be godly to. And sometimes you run out of energy. You run out of power. You feel like you just can't do it anymore, but you know what? Love. It's being spoke of here in these verses. Love gives us the horsepower to make these allowances. When you love someone, you'll run up that hill all day long. You'll run up that hill to keep your loved ones safe. You'll run up it to provide for them. Likewise, love should be the horsepower that you use to forgive and to make allowances. And when you do, when you forgive others and and make these allowances for them, then that brings peace and harmony. Verse 15, peace and harmony. Let that peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. I love peace. Peace is like one of my favorite uh, forms of, of feelings. I don't even know if it's a feeling. I don't know if you guys have taken the um, color code personality test. There's four colors, red, blue, um, yellow, and white. And um, all of them are, are, are personalities that are blessed by God. All of them have excellent qualities. None of them is better than the other. God created all of us. Um, I um, specifically fall under the white category. I'm one of the white folks. And uh, the thing that drives the white, the white people is peace. Peace. Um, not power, not uh, feelings, not necessarily fun, but peace. I like it. I want everything to be in peace. And so if there's conflict, you know, I don't really want to be part of that conflict. Now, if something comes to bring conflict to me or to my loved ones or to the children or uh, to my flock, you know, I will do everything I can to get it uh, shoved out, to get it destroyed because I don't like conflict. I love peace. This verse says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. It should be king. Jesus is the King of Peace and it should be in your hearts controlling you. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace. Called to live in peace. I can't say it enough how beautiful the idea of peace is. And I can't wait till heaven because then we'll know what real peace is like. So if, if, God chose us to live a new life, which He has. Then He chose us to live that new life so it should affect how we treat others. And number two, it should cause you to be thankful. To be thankful. Now, um, Thanksgiving is coming up. And so this is really fitting that we discuss this today, a few weeks before Thanksgiving. Um, Verse 15, the second part of it, says, And always be thankful. 
always be thankful. And it says that we should be thankful so much that we sing songs. And my wife often tells me, you know, when I tell the kids, um, you know, you, you always uh, you always leave the, the dust, you know, you sweep up and they leave it right in the middle of the floor and they go sweep another pile and there's piles right in the middle of the floor everywhere. And I'm like, you, I, you guys always do that. And I walk through and, um, and mess it up. And, and, you know, my wife always says, don't say always. They don't always do it. Or, uh, you know, when I say, um, you never park the car in the right spot. Um, never. It's like, no, don't say never because sometimes I do park it in the spot that you want it in. Okay, I get it. Don't say always and don't say never. Um, that's me. But this is the word of God. And Paul does not shy away from using this word. Always be thankful. In this situation, we know that always is the correct word to be used. And that's not easy at all. Always be thankful. So much so... Um, that we are lighthearted and we experience the peace. So when should we give thanks? Only on Thanksgiving Day? No. Should we give thanks sometimes? Should we give thanks most of the time? All the time. The scripture says, always be thankful. And verse 16 says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. With thankful hearts. I, lo- I love the idea of, of singing and uh, being thankful and having thankful hearts. My mom and my grandma, um, her mother, are all the time humming a song or singing a song. Just whatever they're doing, they're, they're just a humming or they're singing. Um, this, it's such a light-hearted um, attitude and personality they have, and I love being around it. I think that's getting close to what this verse is saying here, that we should be singing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs to God because we have thankful hearts. We should be so thankful all the time that we can't help singing about it. Colossians 3, verse 16, tells us to fill our lives. Fill our lives. We are so filled with God's Word and so thankful with His message then we can fill our lives with that message, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. This message. Um, do you guys know what a cornucopia is? Like I have a picture of one up here. Um, my wife and I was discussing I thought it was called a hornucopia because it looks like a horn. But evidently as a corn, it doesn't look like a corn. But when I was researching it, it turns out that corn in Latin means horn. So it is a horn of, of, a horn of plenty. Um, every time you see a picture of one of these dudes, it's spilling out with stuff, with food. Like you don't see one upright where it has just a level top. It's always overflowing with, with uh, produce, with goods, um, full of it. And here we have this verse. I think this is a good illustration. It says, fill your lives with a message of God. 
We want to fill our lives with the Lord, with Jesus' word of love. We want to fill our lives so much with the presence of Him that it just overflows and spills out like this this, uh, horn-shaped basket. We should just spill out the word of God wherever we go. Oh, I, th- I think also about this verse, you know, fill, fill our lives with a message. Um, sometimes, you know, I might go over to one of you guys' house, um, or, or maybe someone else comes over to your house, and you tell them, you know, make yourself at home. Make yourself, what does that mean, make yourself at home? Well, it means, you know, hang your coat on the coat rack. Um, have a seat on the couch. Use the restroom if you want to. It's right over there. Uh, maybe help yourself to the cookies that are in the dish on the table and it's open. That's what make yourself at home. Relax. You know, often that's kind of the way that we feel to God. Let me tell you why that's not shouldn't be the same. Because when we expect somebody to come into our house and make, our, make themselves at home, we don't tell them to make themselves at home so that they can go through our bathroom cabinets or so that they can uh, go take a nap in your bed. That's not what we mean when we say, well, make yourself at home. Uh, when we tell God, uh, make yourself at home, we often don't mean uh, you can be part of Every part of my life. No, usually it's like, um, hang your coat here, God. Uh, Sit on the couch inside of my life while I go to church, when I am at Bible study. But we don't seem to welcome him into all the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves. There are parts of our lives when we don't want to offer to the Lord. and We shouldn't be that way. The Lord knows it all already. Let's welcome Him into our lives, every part of our lives. Let's fill our lives with His Word. We need to fill our lives with His Word. All the way to overflowing where there is no room in our lives for any more of Jesus so it flows out onto other people. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Whatever you do or say. We have so much to be thankful for. There's so much. Families. A, a, a church that we could come and be part of. Um, we have jobs, most of us, and we have uh, warm houses to live in. And yet sometimes we struggle to think of things that we are thankful for around the Thanksgiving table. So much to be thankful for. Don't forget it, especially. Don't forget that the Lord gave His life to you and was resurrected so that you could be resurrected to heaven. Well, don't forget how much we have to be thankful for. Number three, God chose you to live a new life so that it should 
result in discipleship. Verse 17, he said, Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord. At your job, be at the Lord's work. You are to be a Jesus rep, wherever you are, whatever you are doing. While you play, whatever you do for hobbies or for fun, be doing the Lord's work. Be there as a representative of Jesus. As a representative, remember that you are Christ's ambassador. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, Come back to God. Discipling, teaching, leading, guiding. It's our job. It's what we should be doing. Now it's hard. Even Paul confesses this. Paul is one of the most hardcore evangelists, one of the most hardcore Christians that we can think of. And yet even he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself where I want to do what, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Does that explain you? It does me sometimes. Man, I know what I need to do, what I want to do. I don't always do it. I don't always do it. Praise God for His mercy. But this verse, verse 7, he says, Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative. Remember last week when uh, Cain and, and Abel, uh, Cain was, was uh, faced with, he, he had failed God and God was upset with him and God says, you have a second chance he got angry, and God says, sin is crouching at your door. You must subdue it. And Cain had a choice right then. When you're like Paul, and you're saying, man, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I, I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want you to do your best. When you're ready to do what you hate, to recognize that sin is crouching. And subdue it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, a little bit further on, a few verses later, it says to work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Work willingly as a representative of Christ. And this makes it so much easier. If we are working for God, it's sometimes hard to please a difficult boss. Now, sometimes we don't want to, to um, work hard for someone who is a slave driver or is difficult to get along with, but if we're working for the Lord, the Creator of us and the Savior of us, then that makes sense. Work willingly at whatever you do, whatever you do or say. Everywhere Jesus went, He made an impact. Stories that were written about Him, that counts of Him in the Gospel, people took note of His actions and His words, and 
an encounter with Jesus, we can see through those accounts, they changed lives forever. We shouldn't count on uh, flying under the radar undetected, being a Christian whom doesn't get noticed. Remember, Christ has called you to be His representative in everything you say, in everything you do, everywhere you go. Now what better way to do that than by treating others according to the commands He has given us. Love one another. And love even our enemies. And forgive them just as we have been forgiven. Bold love and honest forgiveness will make more of an impact than accusing and shaming someone ever will. Remember the the name of Satan means the, the accuser. Pointing fingers and blaming, that's his way. Slandering each other and giving into fits of rage is the old way. And we've got to put on the new life and put the old way to death. Now that we are raised to new life, we can share God's message of grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Sharing the good news becomes natural when we remain thankful for all that God has done for us. Paul tells us to be thankful three times in this passage that we have went over today. Three times. Remember your former life and be thankful that God has raised you to new life. Remember the wrath of God that you deserve and be thankful that Jesus took your place and took that wrath as His punishment. You were able to escape punishment. Remember to set your sights on the realities of heaven and be thankful that the best is yet to come. In this way, we fulfill the Great Commission. You don't have to travel overseas, although God does call some of us to go that far. You don't have to do full-time ministry as as a profession, although some of us are blessed to have such a job. Jesus calls us to make disciples and to baptize them and to teach them all that He has commanded us. Tell one more story today and it will be done. It's in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 14. This is the story of Abraham and Lot. Now, Abraham had a lot of lands, and his nephew Lot was living there with him on that land. And they had uh, herders that took care of their sheep, and, and they started to grow. And the herders started to argue with one another. And Abraham says, we can't do this forever, so we need to separate to different pieces of land so that our sheep herders won't argue with each other. We don't want that to come between us as family. So Abraham gives Lot a choice of land. So you can have any of the land, any of it. Lot became selfish. And he picked out the best piece of land. The one right by the river that gets all the water, that grows the best crops and raises the best sheep. And Lot chose that piece of land. Abraham, that's, that's fine with him. He gave him the choice. Abraham doesn't say anything. Then uh, Lot gets captured later on. The war broke out in the area. And Lot is captured and his family... Well, you know what Abraham does? He mobilizes 318 of his trained men 
these men that were ready for battle and they were the, the hardcore warriors and, and Abraham mobilizes them, sends them in to get Lot. He pursued the army that had captured Lot. He chased them down and he caught them and he secured Lot and Lot's family. And he did it at night. He did whatever he could to get Lot back. And then when the other ones had scattered, the other bad guys, he chased them down. You know, Lot didn't deserve for Abraham to go after him. He didn't deserve it. But he was family. And Abraham pursued him and loved him, even though he was selfish. You know, we're like Lot. We have been given all the glory in heaven. We have been given part of God's kingdom to live in right here on earth. Just like Lot had been given the fertile plains next to the river. But our, our plot is so much better than what Lot got. You know, the lives that Jesus gives us are filled with blessings and mercy. And yet we often selfishly accept the blessings without giving thanks, without giving credit to God. We often get carried away by the enemy. I want to invite you today to accept what the Lord gives you. The Lord goes after us just like Abraham went after Lot. The Lord saves us and pursues us Because we are His family. We are loved by Him. Won't you choose to be accepted by the Lord today? Let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for uh, the message that the Apostle Paul has written here for us. Lord, that because of You, we can live a new life filled with goodness and mercy and and kindness and gentleness. Lord, we pray that you will help us to reflect that on the others in our lives. Lord, give us the energy and the motivation to forgive, make allowances. And Lord, to teach others the way that you want us to be in. Lord, we thank you that you approach us with arms wide open. We thank you that you have given us forgiveness for everything that we've ever done if we call on your name. And we do that right now, Lord. Lord, please forgive us and uh, give us the boldness to grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray.